The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Let's go before our King in prayer this morning. Let's go before our Lord. Father God, we come to you in your mighty son's Jesus' name. God, just agreeing with the words of that song, Father God, that we know that you are watching us. Father God, that you care for every detail of our lives. God, that you are sovereign, that you are king, that you're the ruler of this universe. But somehow, someway, you still care about the minute details of our lives, Father God. Father God, we pray that you would speak to us through your word on this morning. Father God, I pray that you would uh, move me out of the way and speak to your people. God, I pray that I would decrease so that you may increase in this place. God, teach us what it means to be low. Teach us what it means to be meek. Father God, teach us what it means to be like you. And God, do whatever you please this morning. I offer myself to you. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Father God. Speak to your people. Let your ministering angels minister to your people's heart on today. It's in your mighty son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. The reason that I can't advocate violence is because violence ultimately defeats itself. The reason I can't follow the old eye for an eye philosophy is that it ends up leaving everybody blind. These are the words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. as he spoke to a group of college students who had just been attacked by dogs, who had just been sprayed by water hoses, who had just been beaten and abused by police clubs. Um, He spoke to this group of young people as uh, Bull Connor, Commissioner Bull Connor, unleashed his full fury on them in Birmingham, Alabama. And the entire world was watching Alabama. The eyes of the world were on Birmingham, Alabama as all of this was taking place. And today we look back on that and we celebrate those young people who sacrificed themselves on the streets of Birmingham, Alabama. And we say, man, they were heroes, they were noble, and that was great. And we, and we applaud Dr. King and we say that he was brilliant for strategizing this nonviolent resistance. And we celebrate all of that today. But in 1963, uh, they were not celebrated for that. They were looked down upon uh, for that from various different groups. Uh, Dr. King's critics called him a fool for this. They they said horrible things about him. His approval rating was low uh, because of the fact that he sent these young people out uh, for this Birmingham campaign. Hear the words of of some of his critics and quote, Martin Luther King is a traitor to his race. Martin Luther King is a fool. Don't go to church no more and don't listen to Martin. I'm against anyone who tells blacks to be nonviolent. King has put this foolish philosophy out that you are not supposed to fight and you are not supposed to use violence. You need somebody who is going to fight, not kneeling in or sitting in an unquote. How does a person take this type of verbal abuse? This type of spiritual abuse, this type of physical abuse, even from those who he's trying to help. How did uh, Dr. King keep going? He had black militants on one side condemning him to death. 
all right, and opposing him, literally condemning him to death. They were saying that Dr. King's church needed to be burned down and he needed to be killed. So he had his own people, black militants, condemning him to death and opposing him on one side. Then he had white supremacists on the other side condemning him to death and opposing him. So he had all of this pressure. It was a very uh, tense climate. And under all of that, he didn't side with one side or the other. He took a third way. He took a third way. And the third way is not always so popular. The third way does not play by the rules of this world. The third way has caused many to lose their privilege. This third way has caused many to lose their positions. This third way has caused many to lose their prestige. And I dare say this third way has caused many to even lose their lives. We live in a world where you still have to decide whether or not you're going to pick one side or another or the third way. The left or the right. Republican or Democrat. Conservative. Liberal. Alright? And this world is putting this pressure on us to pick a side. But how many people know that Jesus doesn't call us to pick a side. He calls us to pick him. We're not called to pick a side. We're called to pick King Jesus. And that third way is called the kingdom of God. And that's that third way that Dr. King chose to take. See, we're not called to fight for the control and the resources of this world. We're not picking one side or the other because we have a king who has a kingdom that originates in heaven. And we, we're called to administer that kingdom into this fallen, dark world. To live for the glory of that kingdom. To bow down in allegiance to that king. Not any kingdom of this world. But that, that's not easy, right? When you do that, you're going to be opposed. Right? Uh, if you actually surrender yourself to the kingdom of God, people will look at you and talk to you the way that they talked about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You better believe it. Alright? They're going to look at the way that you spend your money when you surrender to the kingdom of God. Because when you're in the kingdom of God, you've surrendered your money to God's uh, kingdom. In the way that he calls you to facilitate that, right? So people are going to say, you're a fool for paying tithe to a church. You're a fool for supporting a missionary overseas. You're a fool for investing uh, in urban communities in the city. You're a fool for doing stuff like that. You're a fool for doing anything besides investing your money for your own pleasure. That's what the world will say. They'll say, you're a fool for the way that you respond to your enemies. You ought to hit them back. You ought to curse them back. You ought to tweet of coming back on that social media post. They'll say you're a fool for the way that you respond to your enemies when you submit to the kingdom of God and take the third way. Uh, they will look at the way that you love your neighbors and call you foolish. Oh, you let one of them in your house? You trust one of them around your children? You are a fool for taking that third way. That's what the world will say, just the way they talk to Dr. King. The world will, will call you a fool for choosing uh, kingdom ethics in your business world. Because they'll say, that's the way we move up around here, and that's the way we've always done it. So if you don't cut a few corners, you're not going to make it around here. But you're called to live and reflect a different king, because we are living uh, under the sovereignty of a new kingdom. But Jesus calls you blessed when the world says those things about you. He calls you blessed. He says you are flourishing now. He says you are truly living now. My kingdom is the way that it's supposed to go. And my kingdom is the way that it's going to end up. 
So my question this morning is, are you living by that third way? Are you living by that third way? Are you still putting hope in the princes and the kings and the systems and the hopes of this world? Are you still looking for hope and acceptance and approval from this world? King Jesus says this, he says, What profits a man who gains the whole world and yet loses his soul? Those kingdoms will all perish. The only thing that's going to last is the kingdom of King Jesus. As we continue to our text this morning, we see Jesus uh, speaking blessing to a crowd of people. He's speaking these blessings over a crowd of people who would have been considered the categorically uh, poor in spirit. Uh, These are people um, who uh, are said to mourn. These are the meek. Uh, These are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, those who are persecuted and reviled. And if you zoom in a little closer to this crowd, what you will notice is this is not the who's who of society. These aren't the elite people in society. Um, you probably wouldn't have needed a guest list to sign a, be on a guest list to get to the Sermon on the Mount, right? These, these weren't those kind of people. Uh, they were a poor Jewish community outside of a village with not much economic power, not much uh, political power, and it could have been easily, uh, they could have easily saw themselves as less fortunate. But here now, Jesus is speaking blessing over these people. He's saying that you are blessed. He's not saying that one day you're going to be blessed. He's not saying that I'm going to give you a blessing. He's saying, no, by your identity, you are blessed. You are the fortunate ones. All right? You are the, the, the ones who are flourishing truly. In the words of Lecrae, you are the lucky ones. The ones who have been called by his grace to inherit his kingdom. You're blessed. And so when he's looking at them, he doesn't see mere poor people. He doesn't see mere outcasts. He sees sons and daughters of the king. And because of that, he says, you are blessed. And, they, and he says that you are fortunate. And you are blessed and fortunate in this life and in the life to come. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And blessed are the meek. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, it says, blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. That word meekness is often uh, misunderstood and misinterpreted. Some people think that meekness is weakness. It's somebody who doesn't have a backbone. right? Somebody with a squishy uh, handshake. right? It's a weak person. Uh, It's a wimp. That's what what sometimes we think of when we think of meek. And people are like, man, I don't want to be meek. That you can't get ahead in this life or get anywhere being meek. But that's not the definition of meek. Some people think that meekness is just quietness. Just because you're quiet don't make you meek. There's some very quiet people with volcanoes of rage erupting inside of their hearts, right? That doesn't make you meek. So meekness is not quietness. Uh, Meekness uh, is not weakness. Uh, Kelvin Burgess says it this way. He says, you think being meek is weak? Huh. Try being meek for a week. Like meekness, (laughs) meekness is not weakness. Instead, it is a special grace that allows you to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit, where you're no longer controlled by your passions, but you're now controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's meekness. 
You're not, you're no longer arrested by your flesh and by your passions. You are arrested by the Holy Spirit. That's meekness. Uh, a theologian by the name of Matthew Henry wrote a book called uh, A Discourse on Meekness and Quietness of the Spirit. Uh, in this book, he points out that in Latin, a meek man was called Masutus. Masutus, all right? That's two words, Manu and Sutus. Uh, the word Manu means hand, and a Sutus means used to, all right? And so this means being used to the hand. And it's talk, the picture here is of an animal that was once wild, that was out of control, but is now tamed and used to the hand of his master. Uh, me and Ashley, we adopted a 150-pound Great Dane by the name of Bear last fall, and it was a hoot, as you can imagine. And uh, when we first got Bear, this 150-pound massive animal, he was not used to the hand. We'd take him out on walks downtown, and he'd be fighting against us. He's a strong boy, pulling against us, pulling us everywhere. He was not used to the hand, all right? We, we uh, gifted Bear to a friend. <laughs> He's very loved and cared for today. But he was not used to the hand. He, he was not used to being guided. He was fighting back always. Right? And the Bible compares our fallen human nature uh, to the impulse of a wild animal, like a wild ox. In Jeremiah chapter 2, uh, uh, he, he says, uh, God says that his own people are like a wild donkey. And a restless camel. Alright, man's corrupt nature has made him like a wild donkey. We fight back naturally against the will of God. We don't want to submit. We don't want to trust. We don't want to go his own way. We trust our own impulses instead of his leading. Alright, and by nature we're not used to the hand. God has to do something. He has to transform us from the inside out and fill us with his Holy Spirit and, and teach us how to follow him. Unless God does that, we're we're like that wild animal. We're like bear, all right? Um, When we get used to the hand, though, we begin to flourish. And that's what Jesus is getting now. He says, blessed are the meek. Because when we actually are submitted to God, we begin to experience his peace. We we, We begin to experience his joy. And we begin to live the life that we were created to live. And that's when we're flourishing. That's when we're living. That's when we're truly alive. And that's why Jesus is saying, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek person is the person who is used to the hand, but who is also fully submitted uh, to the kingdom of God. Because essentially that's what meekness is. It's being submitted to God. It's coming under submission. The whole idea of submission is your mission is under the mission of another person. So that's submission, right? And so that's what submission is. Uh, King Jesus, this is your agenda for my life. This is your will for my life. I'm not going to try to go over, over that. I'm not going to try to knock that out of the way. Instead, I'm going to come under your mission for my life. And this is that picture of meekness. So what does this actually look like in our lives in 2018, in a world that does not celebrate uh, being meek, in a world that still thinks meekness and weakness? One, it looks like submission to God's word, right? And then secondly, it looks like submission to God's will. And thirdly, it looks like submission to God's people. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. I just want to take a look at that. And we see a picture of a man who has submitted his life to God's word. Uh, Verse 9, it says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. 
Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is King David. And he says, I have submitted myself under your word. God, I delight in your word. God, I need your word so much and I value it so much that I store it up in my heart. This is the picture of the person who's devoted to the scripture, who's studying God's word so they can walk closely with him through life. He's saying, God, I can't make it without you. I can't live pure in this world unless I'm I'm submitted to your word and have your word stored up in my heart. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, we see see a man uh, who has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's in the wilderness. So he is separated from anybody or anything that could help him away from, he's cut off from all of the resources. So he's, uh, he's in this, he's in this wilderness by himself fasting for 40 days, uh, and 40 nights. And he has the full capability to command, uh, stones, to turn the bread, to, to make water appear. He has the full capability to take care of himself. Right? And he's, he's tired and he's weak at this moment. And then the devil comes to his face and says this. He says, if you really are the son of God command these stones to be bread he says come on use your power Jesus you really are the son of God right use your power help yourself you need it if you really are the son of God turn these stones to bread or are you really just a weak man that can't protect himself or do nothing for himself who's starving and thirsting in the wilderness and this is how Jesus Christ the king of kings, who could have turned those stones to bread at the, at the command of his voice. This is what he says. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was fully submitted to the word of God. He is absolute strength, right? Under perfect control. He had the full capability to do whatever he needed to do in that moment. But instead he chose to submit himself under the word of God. He is our great example of what it looks like uh, to, do, to do battle against the enemy by being submitted under the word of God. Um, I saw an example of this back in 2014 when Ashley and I were dating. And so this is around December. I planned to propose uh, on, New Year, I mean, on Christmas Eve. So I had it all planned out. I had already bought a ring and everything. And this woman, Ashley Gray, says... Uh, I have to go pray and spend some time with God to be sure whether or not we can, uh, that I know this, we should be moving forward like this. And I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> I've, I've already bought the ring in my mind, I'm thinking. And she's like, well, I got to make sure that God agrees with this. So she spent the whole day one Saturday and just prayed and read the word. And I'm glad, I'm glad she's a woman submitted to the word of God. In the moment, I was freaking out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. All right? But that's the, those are the, that's, that's the type of person we're called to be. All right? We're called to be the person that says, what does God say about this? Because it might be a good idea, but it might not be a God idea. So we need to be the type of person who asks, what does God say about this? We need to be submitted under the word of God. So the meek person uh, submits to God's word. But he also submits to God's will. And for a picture of this, we have to look no further again to King, than to King Jesus. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he was about to be arrested uh, and sweating blood profusely. 
He was very anxious. He was very fearful. He knew what was about to happen to him. But we see this meek man surrendered in the Garden of Gethsemane. Let's, let's take a look at Matthew 26, verse 37. It says, And taking, Peter, taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face, praying, and said, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. I just want to say, has anybody ever been there? Has anybody ever been there? Like, why, why does it have to be like this, God? Do I have to go through this, God? Do I have to go through this death? Do I have to go through this diagnosis or this sickness? Do I have to go through this, God? Do I have to go through this tough time in my marriage? Do I have to go through this tough time with my children or at work? And sometimes the Lord will look at his children and say, yes. Not because he doesn't love you and not because he doesn't care, but he has a better perfect will than you and I. And he knows that there's going to be good to even come from those situations that we want to run away from and get out of. And even the Son of God was sweating blood. And he was uh, so anxious about the fact that he was about to take the cross. He says, if there's another way, God, please take this cup from me. Is this your will, God? And God said, yes. Continuing in verse 40, he says, He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Can you imagine the frustration? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. This is the son of God, absolute strength under perfect control. There will will be days when we don't want to say yes to God's will, but we have to believe that he knows best. Amen. And as we remain meek, we have a promise to hold on to. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Everything that you feel as if you've lost in this world, it will be returned in the next, in a better way. The pain and the suffering in this world does not compare to the goodness that you will experience in the life to come. He says, blessed are the meek. All of this, that that it looks like the wicked are controlling this world, that it looks like the, the wicked are in charge of. He says, blessed are you, for you will inherit all of this. You will inherit the earth. There's a promise. There's a promise for the meek. So submission, meekness and submission is submission to God's word. It's submission to God's will. And finally, it's submission to God's people. And honestly, this is harder for, for some of us than the submission to God's word or the submission uh, even to God's will. And some of us believe that we can have the relationship with God, right? So I, can, I have a relationship with God, but I don't need a relationship with his people. So I do God, but I don't really do church, right? You kind of got that kind of thing going on. But that's, that's impossible. That's a myth to say that you can have uh, submission to God without also having submission to his people. In, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, he says, uh, Submit to one another, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we're called to submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. And the question is, uh, I want to ask is, can someone lead you? Can someone lead you? And can you follow? Because the coming under the leadership of another is often the greatest test of meekness. It is often the greatest test of meekness. I don't want to pick on men. I want to identify with the fellas and the men for a moment. Because if we're honest, this is hard for a lot of us, especially us men. Uh, who we may have an alpha male complex, or we may have an insecurity, or we may have just seen horrible leadership at some point in our lives, and we have a hard time submitting to other people. We have a hard time even submitting uh, to other men. And especially us young guys, we're at a stage of life where we need older men who can speak into our lives and guide us as we go through marriage and go through family and go through work and life. And we need to be willing and able to come under the mission and the agenda and submit to another person in our lives. Because if no church is ever good enough, right? Uh, If no mentor or authority is never good enough, the problem might not be the, the, the church or the pastor. The problem might be us might be pride, all right? And and so, all right, I'm done with the fellas, but that's a reality for us that we have to be willing to submit, especially to other men. But the question for all of us to ask is that: Can somebody speak into my life with authority? Can somebody speak into my life? Uh, with authority without me bucking back and kicking back. Because it's easy for me to get up here and say, oh, I'm such a wretch. Oh, I'm such a sinner. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm such a bad person. Oh, I need the Lord's grace in my life. Woe is me. But then if my wife or a friend or someone in my community group says the same thing, I all of a sudden buck back a little bit more. It's a little bit easier for me to say, oh, I'm so wretched. Then for Ashley to be like, yeah, you wretched. It's a little bit easily, easy to accept the other. So my question is, who can speak into your life without you bucking back? Meekness is submission to God's word. Meekness is submission to God's will. And meekness is submission to God's people. As the band comes... We have a perfect example of meekness in King Jesus, who though he was God, the scripture says, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Perfect strength under absolute control. When Jesus stayed on that cross, he was laying down his rights for you and I. He could have gotten up at any moment. He could have unleashed a legion of angels to come to his defense. And to kill his enemies, just like that. He could have defended himself. But for some reason, he decided to stay on that cross with its splinters. With those nails in his feet. With those nails in his hands. With that crown of thorn on his head. He could have decided that this is not worth it. But he had something else in mind. He was fighting for a different kingdom. He was fighting for a different reward. And he had your face in his mind when he lay on that cross. He had a bigger vision in mind than just to free himself or appease himself or to to defend himself. 
in a, in a room this size, I know that there's some people that don't know him yet who haven't surrendered to his lordship yet. And I just want to let you know that when he was on that cross, he was on that cross for you. And we have a great king who is better than any kingdom of this world. If you're not surrendered to King Jesus, that means you're probably surrendered to some king of this world and you're putting hope in some system in this world. You're probably putting hope in yourself. And that's all going to perish. That's all going to pass away. The only thing that's going to last is the kingdom of King Jesus. And he's inviting you to surrender to him. He's a good king. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Be used to the hand. He wants to do that for you. He wants to show you that he's a good king. And for some of us who know him, let's, let's rest in him. Let's not fight back against him. Let's hope in him. He is worthy. He is worthy to trust. Let's go before our Lord. Let's go before our Lord in prayer. I want to pray now uh, from a book called The Valley of Vision. It's a prayer that I feel like is appropriate for our time. Lord, uh, Lord high and holy, meek and lowly. Thou has brought me to the valley of vision, where I live in the depths, but see thee in the heights. Hemmed in by mountains of sin, I behold thy glory. God, let me learn by paradox that the way down is up, that to be low is to be high, that the broken heart is the healed heart, that the contrite spirit is the rejoicing spirit, that the repenting soul is the victorious soul. That to have nothing is to possess all. That to bear the cross is to wear the crown. That to give is to receive. That the valley, Lord, is the place of vision. Lord, in the daytime, stars can be seen from the deepest wells. And the deeper the wells, the brighter thy stars shine. Let me find thy light in my darkness. Thy life in my death. Thy joy in my sorrow. Thy grace in my sin, thy riches in my poverty, thy glory in my valley. God, we lift this prayer up to you in your mighty sons. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.